You want to go ahead and talk? <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. On this week's episode of Word Bros, we talked to Dave, I can't even try to pronounce his last name, Kesha, Casey? Kazaa. Kazaa, Dave Kazaa. He is the co-writer. I think it was Kazay. Kazay? Hold on, but let's look it up. Right, well, I have the book right over here, so let me get okay, it. Okay, yeah, look at, look at the book and tell me how it's spelled. Why do these people have to have such complicated names? Because you, you hate pronouncing anybody's name that's not normal. What's up? You hate pronouncing anybody's name that's not normal. Uh, K-I-Z-Z-I-A. He said he, he, he did say Kaze. Okay, so his name is Dave Kaze. He's an awesome dude, and uh, we're really excited to talk to him. I know I am because I love his damn game, and I'm role-playing game obsessed. And I've never got to play it. And we're going to uh, play, Kevin. We're going to play. I've see, sent this is what always happens. I've sent, I've sent you the game. Um <laughs> I, I do have a PDF. People. We're going to play. I sent one to Alfredo. I would like him to play with us too. It's very cool. It's a very fun game. And I, you might be thinking like, why are you talking to an RPG writer? Same, same, same thing. It's the basic same concept, guys, as, as writing comic books, except for you, you do it in a game context and you co-storytell just like you do with a comic book. And I would love to write a role-playing game and I want to kind of get a little insider information on this because, I mean... I love role-playing games. Kevin, I know you love role-playing games. I do. Shit, man. Uh, Oathbound, the book that you wrote without me. <laughs> that sounded very bitter. <laughs> the book you wrote without me, you son of a bitch. It's basically a Western D&D. &D. Like it it's is. Western fantasy. That's the way you explained it. It is. It is. It so. was based on an idea I had for... Uh, there was a, Now, I don't know who plays RPGs out there that listens to the podcast. But I do. There was a time <laughs> where D&D where &D did an OGL, Open Gaming License. So I, I was like thinking what would be a really cool OGL land would be like, oh, what if it was a Western fantasy? Like that, I've never seen anything like that. Like like Tolkien meets like uh, Sergio Leone. So I was like, that would be cool. Like I would dig that. Like who wouldn't dig that? And um, do you have different stereotypes? Like a thief would be a gambler, etc. So yeah, uh, that was totally the idea behind that. Um, and it and turned into a comic book. I so did. Yeah. Your idea turned into a comic book. Um, Dave takes these ideas and turns them into role-playing games. And we've also talked about other ideas that we have that we oh, can't. Dude, I would love, I would love to make some of this. I mean, like there's a few things that we have as word bros that we would like well, to see made into it's not it's not out of the ordinary if you go to any role-playing game store i mean there's a sixth gun role-playing game there is an atomic robo role-playing game well, that sounds great there is a hellboy role-playing game there is and i would like to play that so if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast and you want to run a hellboy rpg for bob and i we will totally play there is a mouse uh, guard role-playing game. Did you know that? No, I did not. Yes, there is a mouse guard role-playing game. So the idea of role-playing games and comics, I mean, shit, man, Marvel has one. I mean, Marvel, Marvel does have one. I mean, now, I have, played the, I have played the earlier version. The, yeah, I have Marvel Mar I have it right over here on my shelf because I played it when I was a kid. And The, the D100 one? Uh, no, hang on. I'll get the box. Hang on. With the, with the face rip? <laughs> This one. Yes, that's the one yeah. with, the, with the face rip. Yes, it, it's basically uh, fighting, agility. Uh, and like the comp, the game shop I go to, he has um, he has mods that you can buy for like eight bucks that I want to buy just for the shit of it. Like one of them is actually like a Defenders mod. It's Iron Fist, uh, Luke Cage, Doctor Strange, and um, Black Widow, which would be pretty damn fun to play. But yeah, I played that game when I was a kid, and I was so unoriginal. I love that game. My you character that at lunch. My character was Green Arrow. 
Like, that was the playing game. You played. Yes, I made a Green Arrow. It's so stupid. I played the mutant version of Punisher. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, like he because the the game the Marvel game I played in was took place in Days of Future Past, wherein like the the mutants were all gone or they were like resistance fighters. So basically, the the guy who ran our game was like, you have to the only the only requirement is you have to be a mutant. So I was like, all right, so you roll your stats up as a mutant. That's cool. Yeah, that was a great game. I played it for a summer. It was really Have you cool. ever seen the Ultimate Powers book that goes with that game? No, I haven't. The Ultimate Powers book with that game has the weirdest fucking powers in there ever. <laughs> There's a dude that used to play with us that was really into horror movies. He would take like the grossest powers ever. So it was like really weird. Like they had the weird gross powers. But so there you go. The, so what we're saying is it's not uncommon for the world of RPGs and the world of comics to meet. And I, 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 I like this game. So I wanted to talk to Dave. So piss Here we off. are. We've got a problem with it. So uh, <laughs> let's get to that. It is Dave Kazaa from Spirit of 77 and Monkey Fun Studios. Monkey Fun Studios. I have to tell you, I'm very excited about talking to you, Dave, because uh, I don't know if you're aware of this because I stalk you relentlessly on Twitter. I, I love Spirit of I love Spirit of 77. It is a fantastic game. Well, I'm really I'm I'm really happy about the the nice little gift you left on the porch there. That was pretty nice, you know, Wait. with the candles and, <laughs> and you the, know. And the, I thought it was a steaming pile of dog poop. No, Kevin, it was a it was a birthday cake. That's why it was on fire. <laughs> now we are oh. we are talking to Dave this week, who is the uh, Dave. What's your last name, buddy? Kazabe, but don't worry, nobody gets it right. All right, so we're talking to Dave Kazabe. Kazay. Kazay. We're talking to Dave Kazay, who is the writer of Spirit of '77 from Monkey Fun Studios and a bunch of other uh, role playing games. Uh, One of the Be- writers. That's correct. Yes, Bedlam Hall. You guys do. Um, gruel truck you guys do you guys have all kinds of rpgs out there and i know yep. people normally we interview people who create comics and, comics, and, yeah. and, and writers and, and but it's, it's in my brain in my mind it's all kind of the same thing because you are writing uh, uh you're creating this fictional world and, sure, and, world and it's world building and the process of like creating an RPG kind of fascinates me. So I'm abusing my own power here and, <laughs> and spend speaking to you directly because I'm interested. This is fascinating to me. Not a problem. Uh, yeah. So one of the things, well, I, I mean, how do you want to start? Do you want me to do just, about- well, we oh, could just like, oh. when did you start writing? Like, how did you get into writing in general? Did you start with screenplays? Did you start with like, did you write comics? Had you oh, always, yeah. Um, I've actually been one of those guys that always kind of wrote stuff, you know, throughout, you know, you know, <laughs> throughout my life. Uh, I can honestly say I spent a lot of high school years just drawing little comics and writing out stuff myself, you know, <laughs> passing in between friends and what have you when I should have been studying. And, uh, you know, I have, like I said, I I had done a lot of writing and had originally gone to school for communications for TV and film. Okay. And that kind of went, you know, my my career went a different path on a a professional level, but I had always been doing a lot of uh, role-playing games, uh, doing adventures, different kinds of concepts, and... About, I want to say three years ago, I, I think three is probably accurate. Uh, my buddy Bob and I, Bob Richardson is the uh, other uh, writer of, of Spirit of 77. He and I had known each other for easily a decade. And we were just kind of talking about a new project that we wanted to do together. We had always been interested in 70s pop culture. We, we, you know, we just were into it. So I had written some notes about a possible game, and, and Bob and took a look at them, and then we just kind of traded ideas back and forth and then started writing. And we probably wrote probably the first 20 to 30 pages in, in a clip of about wow. week, maybe two. Yeah, we were, we were just going nonstop. And that turned out to be what we originally created as uh, a Spirit of 77, 
we both had been familiar with uh, role-playing games. We had done a lot of them. And we knew that there were, you know, right now we're at a very good time for role-playing games in, in terms of the industry and the fact that there's a lot of different systems. It's not just one group doing it or, or like big guys doing it. Now independent RPGs are now having as much uh, credibility and as much influence within uh, the RPG world as the big guys. So it wasn't difficult for us to find a rule set that we thought would really mesh well with the genre we wanted to do. We did it basically genre, then the rule system. Okay, that's interesting. And, yeah, and actually, that, that's, um, it's now at a point where if you have an interesting idea for a game, you don't necessarily have to be a rules lawyer or mathematician or something like that. It definitely helps like some of the, the minutiae, but it, it's something where you can go out there and there's a lot of great products out there that will, will basically give you the, the mechanics for free, like a like Fate is out there, you know, Savage Worlds is out there, and obviously Powered by the Apocalypse, which is what we based uh, Spirit of 77 on. Okay. And, and we got to a certain point where we realized, okay, we have a lot here. We don't know for sure if other people are going to find it interesting, but we felt really strongly about it. I mean, we it was just something that we did. We would have entire games, like, we, you know, Bob had has seen every episode of The Rockford Files. And <laughs> in... in, in in comparison, I actually have owned both in tape and or VHS and in DVD. That's awesome. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band starring Peter Frampton in the that, DVD. That is a terrible movie. I mean, that no, is just the worst no, movie. No, sir. Ever. No, sir. No, I, I defy you. And I'll tell you why. Because I think that's one of the best movies ever because at the very end when Aerosmith comes out as the bad guys, <laughs> I don't care who you are. If you sit there and going, I don't want to be a rock star after seeing that, you're lying to me and yourself because it's they come out. They're so coked up. They, they're barely standing. They're greasy. They're dirty. And you can just feel like you can just feel people feeling, you know, uncomfortable, like holding on to their girlfriends in the theater, just saying, don't don't look at them. And that's the stuff that real 70s rock bands should be like. And I I, I, I own that. I, I do. I love that. And actually, that kind of brought my wife and I together. It was one of those things that we realized we were meant for one another. She was she was yearning for, she was yearning for a coked up Steven Tyler, and you're like, I'm yes, the she found me. So there you go. Oh, she was looking for somebody to hold her in the theater, and you were there. No, no, she wanted the coked up Steven. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I will say this for Sergeant Pepper's: it's the second worst rock and roll movie ever, behind. Um, the Kiss, Phantom in the Park, which is the shittiest movie ever made. Oh, no, there's so much shittier. Don't even <laughs> pretend. Dude, I mean, there's... the Kiss movie, they don't even say their own lines. They're dubbed. The, the, like, geez, Only it's... Peter Chris. <laughs> Only Peter Chris. Apparently, you know, and yeah, I am actually a student of that movie, too. But there are so many worse ones. Uh, let's see, because we had to do a lot of research into this. There's a movie called Phantom of Paradise. Have you ever heard of this one? I have not heard of I, this one. I know. I have heard of this movie. Yes, it is. Phantom of the Paradise is great because it's kind of like a cross between Faust and Phantom of the Opera, and it has Paul Williams. <laughs> Kevin, you were telling no, yes. somebody was telling me about this movie where Paul Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm he sorry. He plays the <laughs> devil. He <laughs> or he plays an agent of the devil, and it stars Jessica Harper, who was uh, who later was in the sequel to Rocky Horror Picture Show. It, it's one of those things that you just go where and he you... wears like this crazy mask. Yes, <laughs> crazy mask on, and it's like it's like it's like if David Bowie like was short and unattractive. <laughs> Like oh, Ziggy yeah. Stardust meets Phantom of the Opera. It's like, fantastic. With a yeah. midget. <laughs> it's so, crazy. So anyway, so like I said, it, it was something we really you know knew the uh, the genre, and we okay. knew we, we liked Smoking the Bandit. We loved the Warriors. All those things. We wanted to put it in one setting. So we had this, and we realized, okay, other people may like it too. So we decided, okay, let's bite the bullet and uh, do a Kickstarter and. Kickstarters, again, are a great way to not just, you know, be able to, uh, to develop a project, but it also allows you to see whether or not there are people who, who are into your, uh, your concepts. So we really were successful in the fact that we, we, we did very well very quickly. Okay. And we managed to not only have the core book, 
which is, again, the spirit of 77. But we also had the expansion, which is Wide World of 77, which were the elements that we didn't get to include in the core book that were things like um, Demolition Derby, yes. L- Luchador Wrestling, yes. uh, Rollerball. God, I love Rollerball. <laughs> and and it also allowed us to, be, to have uh, some of the adventures that we wanted to put in there, like a Jurassic parking lot. And uh, the Boom Show, which is actually one of my favorites, and Diamonds Are Whenever, which is <laughs> the car wash first meets Boys of Brazil plotline. This this game, I can't explain to the listening audience how fucking fantastic this game is because it it has all the elements, like you were saying, of like Shaft and and Columbo and and the Rockford Files, but yet it and also the has and the yeah. Warriors, but it also kind of has that like weird Marvel 70s vibe to it, that weird comic vibe, because Marvel Comics in the 70s was a strange place. It was a strange, yes. weird place. And this book just taps into that so perfectly. I was at the game shop and I was looking for a new game to play because like you can play sword and sorcery all day and all night. I was just kind of getting tired of that genre. And the guy who runs my game shop, a guy by the name of Todd at gateway games in Cincinnati, Ohio said, dude, you should look into this game. And he handed me spirit of 77. And I was like, this is amazing. Like no. it's, 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 it's an exploitation game. And it's which, which fantastic. Leads, it leads me to my question for Dave. So sure. what was your RPG gateway drug? Cause everybody's got one and usually it's the same one, but I just want to see if yours was the same as what I, what I'm thinking it is. Um, well, when you say which, which got, what was my first game or what was the, the one that your RPG gateway drug is what I was <laughs> using the seventies terminology. What was your RPG gateway drug? Uh, um, what was the first one you played that, that, that got you into RPGs? You know, that's a funny question. Um, and the reason I say that is because most people say, yeah, my first game was D and D. Everybody. Yes, that's what I was thinking. But it isn't actually, it was ah. not the first game I played. The first game I played was a game called Gangbusters that was put out by TSR <laughs> and TSR in, Right now, you know, it was interesting that TSR did a whole series of games that were non D and D genre. Like Gangbusters right. was like the Roaring Twenties. I owned Boot Hill, uh, which was the, the their Western. Western. Yes, yeah. Star Frontiers, <laughs> Gamma World. Gamma World. And I, I, I think that probably had a bit of an influence on me in that I saw RPGs as things that could be beyond just uh, swords and sorcery right. and the fantasy setting. Because, as I said, the first expo- the real exposure I had was playing Gangbusters and then Boot Hill. And so I realized that games could be more, uh, more focused on specific genres and more modular than just saying, okay, we're going to do this, but we're going to throw swords in there. We're, you know, it, it can be a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. And I okay. would say Spirit of 77 is a lot more than that. It's it's kind of there is a fun, I guess, alternative history going on where Richard Nixon uh, was just – when Watergate happened, he just kind of came out and said, yeah, my bad, and everybody forgave him. And so the game kind of goes from that point on. Like So it's like post-Nixon-Watergate, but everything is okay. So how did you develop the idea, the alt history for the game? So th- there's an interesting thing. Okay, and again, one of those weird pieces of trivia. So, in or on the moon, hand to God, in on the moon there is a plaque, and that plaque was left there by one of the Apollo missions. That was a a um, it was a dedication to basically the moon landing, and it's written by the president at the time, Richard House, Richard Milhouse Nixon. So think about that for a second. If you think about also in the Voyager uh, uh, satellites also went out in the early 70s, you mm-hmm. know, the gold record and all that. And so really anybody from an alien culture or civilization, the first leader of the free world they're going to meet will be or, or, or will be familiar with will be Richard Nixon. Okay. <laughs> think about that. I mean, it's true. So, so the point is, is that we wanted to kind of have – a, you know, a, you know, you bring up a lot of the, the 70s Marvel stuff, and, and yeah, there's a lot of that, but also that kind of uh, Ziggy Stardust kind of 
mythos where it's like, okay, he talks about being an alien. And then, of course, there's the man who fell to Earth and lots of stuff like that. So, Brother from another how, planet. Exactly. Yeah, you <laughs> plug all that in. How would that all develop? And it kind of formed into its own mythos. And, and actually, part of it also was, okay, so you have aliens talk with, with Nixon. Then what do you do? Okay, well, what would he would obviously cover it up because that's Nixon. So, <laughs> you know, and, and, and again, to, just to kind of uh, uh, put this in perspective, what you're talking about is great stuff, but it isn't necessarily something people have to do with, oh, no. with a Spirit of 77. It, it's something that we include in there, but it, the, the nice thing about what we tried to do was that if people wanted to just say, you know, I just want to have, you know, I, I just want to race cars and, and, and shoot things and blow stuff up. It's like, cool. That's, we have a game for you. If you wanted to do something where it's like, okay, I really want to be kind of like three days of the condor and I want to make it more of a conspiracy thing. Yeah, it's in there too. And you could go that way. That's kind of why we liked uh, the powered by the apocalypse genre. It's a, uh, rule system that had been created by uh, Vincent Baker who did Apocalypse World and he says very clearly you you know you make the game the way you feel it should you know he refers to what's called the fiction and the fiction is what's developed with the, the storyteller and the players you know and what you put together around the table basically drives how things go and you know we we like to have it a little bit zany a little bit you know fly by the seat of the pants but i've seen games that can get very gritty and be very you know street level you know like you know like daredevil kind of thing and, and that's great it works fine for that so when people say you know i don't know the 70s or i you know i was born in the 80s so i have no idea it doesn't stop them it doesn't keep them from having a good time because it's basically a setting that allows you to have a lot of, you know, directions you can go and you can have a lot of fun doing what you see. I Just to kind of uh, give an, an, an anecdote about this, we had passed out the initial plot or, or the initial uh, draft to several friends of ours. And, and, and we were both very lucky that we had a lot of friends who were already in, this, in the industry. So we sent it to different people, and one of the feedback that we got was, you know, I really don't know about all this about the uh, about the rockers. Those are the musicians. You yes. know, I don't see why you would have this in here. This this really detracts from the game, and you know, and it, we we felt a little bummed by that. And then we got another piece of feedback from another designer, completely different person altogether, who said, "Oh my God, I love it! I get to be Stevie Nicks." And, <laughs> and you think about that, you go, you know, that's okay. You know, I don't mind people being able to get what they want out of it because that's, you know, that's the sign of a game that has legs, at least, you know, in our perspective is that people can get what they want to put into it and have a good time no matter what. In fact, to be honest, it's really good when you have uh, contrasting uh, people at the table saying, you know what, I'm going to play a character that – no, I, I am absolutely, you know, a member of like the Kiss Army, and I'm wanting to do that. Okay, I'm playing Charles Bronson from Death Wish. <laughs> go for it, baby. That's a good game, you know. A, and actually, a lot of them do go just that way, and it works great. It's a really fun game, and like you were saying, the rules are almost kind of suggestions because even in like the first couple pages of the book, you say like, "Hey, man, if there's something in here that doesn't suit your game or doesn't suit your vision, don't do it." Don't yep, you absolutely don't worry about it. And it's nice to see that because I've been flipping through the Starfinder guide now for like a month trying to process all this to run a Starfinder game. And then I open up your book and it's just like, hey, just have a good time, man. Like just just turn, just turn on some awesome tunes, just listen to Zeppelin and have a good time and, and make an awesome campaign. And it's really kind of it's very freeing as a storyteller and as a player because you don't have to be kind of limited by by like a heavy set of rules, which I think is kind of rad. One of the, yeah, the, going back to uh, talking about uh, the the setting of um, or the, the rule setting of uh, Apocalypse World, you know, Vincent Baker came up with a really smart system in that it was, you know, you don't have a lot of dice. It's straight up, you know, 2D6. And, and, and this is what I really like about it because I can explain it to people in 30 seconds. So you roll 2D6. If it's 10 and above, it's a success. If it's a 6 and below, it's a failure, but you get an XP, so you're Which not afraid. Awesome. Yeah, so that way you're not afraid to take action. Yeah. And then seven to nine is a partial success or a success with a cost, meaning you know you may get part of what you want or you will have half of what you want and then a challenge to deal with. And when you explain that to people, they 
you know, they get it immediately. And then once they get the basics of it, everything moves a lot faster. And so what I really liked about uh, games powered by the apocalypse is that you don't have to do a lot of number crunching because you really want to be focused on telling the best story around the table. See, and that's another thing I liked about the game, too, because you mentioned that. Don't worry about how many bullets are in your gun. Don't worry about how much gas is in your car. Don't worry about that stuff. Just have fun. And it's really nice to see as a player and, again, as a storyteller. Now, as you're crafting, like, how much actual writing goes into the, I guess, the different types of characters and things like that? Did you have a a specific, like, character set in mind when you were building the world or is it just like oh yeah we should do like a ziggy stardust that'd be awesome like how did that kind of build um two paths uh part of it was that at that first it was okay what could we do and so obviously we wanted to have the tough guy you know and obviously we wanted to have you know the driver which in our parlance is the good old boy and we knew we wanted to have the vigilante who was good with guns and so we knew that there were lots of things and we basically stream of consciousness you know wrote all that down and then we pared it down to say okay what are the archetypes that we know need to be in the core rules and so that's what broke down to say uh the sleuth which is obviously the mental character what we have is called the honeypot which is the character that's all about social manipulation the rocker uh the uh tough guys i said uh, good old boy and it really was easy to determine what those basic roles should be. Yeah, and actually, you, yeah, no, you, please did, go ahead. Did you basically just go through like all the 70s movies and say, okay, we need a shaft. <laughs> we need a hooper. We need a, we, I mean, a is, smoky. Yeah, is this the process of how it happened? Or did you just kind of, was it just almost like, a, like you were building an Avengers team almost? And you said we need A, B, C, D, and E and just kind of ran from there when you were paring them down? Well, here's a you know here's one of the differences of Spirit of Seventy Seven mechanically compared to some of the other uh, uh, powered by the Apocalypse games. So, we have two elements that make your character. You have both your role, which is what you do, yes. and then your background, which is called your story. And, and we we have this uh, written out as an example, but I'll go through for it a little bit. So, the example I always give is the movie Rocky, and Rocky. You have the, the, of course, the the final uh, climax between Rocky Balboa and Apollo Creed. Now, in game parlance, both of these are, you know, these are guys who fight, so we would call them both tough guys. Now, Apollo Creed is a professional fighter. He's an he is a professional athlete. This is his job. This is something he's done for you know ten years. He has been in this. He he has it's a regimen to him. So for us, he would be called an all star tough guy. All star being a, a an athlete or an athlete uh, athletic background. Rocky it comes from the streets of Philadelphia. He's a guy you know around the way. He you know he runs you know on the neighborhood. He he fights or punches a against like the, the slabs of meat, does a little protection work on the side, a man of people. So he would be what we would call a, a one bad mother tough guy, you know, guy from the street. Uh-huh. So you have one bad mother tough guy and you have an all-star tough guy. Now, both of them have the same role, but because of their backgrounds, they have different move sets available to them that the other background wouldn't have. So that means that allows a lot of flexibility. So you can have... As an example, you know, talking about tough guys, you know, six million dollar man, he would be what we would call an X tech, which is our version of the sci-fi tough like guy. Like a robot, he's like okay. a robot, yeah. Bionics, absolutely. <laughs> and you you have different types of sleuths, like you mentioned, Shaft. Shaft, of course, is like a one bad mother sleuth because he's you know basically on the streets of New York. Or you would have somebody like a glam sleuth, who in in my you know my favorite would be a an actor known as. Uh, Peter Wingard played a, uh, in a series called Jason King, which is <laughs> early 70s. And he had like a handlebar mustache and big collars and all that. Kojak would be another glam sleuth. Yeah. So you would have basically the guy that's really flashy, you know, has the, the hundred, you know, hundred or $1,000 suits, that kind of guy. Same background as a Columbo, but not necessarily the with the full abilities as each other. Okay. Different so, skill sets is what you're yeah, saying. So yeah. You have, yeah. So you have a lot of uh, variance and you can have a lot of customization in what you want to do as opposed to just saying, I am the fighter or I'm I am. A, I'm a bard. 
Right. right. Even though nobody, even though nobody should ever say that because God it stinks to be a bard. <laughs> but yeah, so this guy, I mean, the game is just, it's just brilliant, but it's not the only game you do. You also do a game called Bedlam Hall that just came out. And this is more of like a, yes. like a Gothic horror thing. So, okay. That's a funny story. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So Bedlam Hall is what I, I usually describe it as uh, Downton Abbey meets the Adams family. And, what happened is my wife had been finishing up the, uh, the the last season of Downton Abbey, and we were watching it, you know. And I thought about it going, well, this is kind of an interesting thing, but I'm not sure how I would really kind of put it into, you know, a game, you know. Because I, I thought about it, and then I realized the best characters really are the, the servants. The servants are the ones who have the most drama and i thought well how could how would you deal with it and of course the funny thing is what if they had to deal with like a gomez adams or what if they had to deal with somebody who was just you know batshit oh should i say that well yeah you can say whatever you want to batshit insane you know basically the nut job you know aristocracy and i and i laughed about that and i realized that's a pretty interesting game to put together and so you know i started working on that and did the kickstarter uh, earlier this year and did very well and right now uh, you know as of this taping it's in pre-order and we're actually getting the book out in probably in a couple of weeks it'll be available through drive through rpg awesome. and um, indie press revolution see it's interesting because like you being a game creator kevin and i are comic book writers um we also kind of delve into uh, something that we're watching or something that we're, we're kind of, it's interesting to see where we all kind of commonly cherry pick ideas, but just the process. Converge. Yeah, yeah. The convergence of it is what you're saying. Like where all the ideas meet together and how they divert, how they converge and then go off in a different path. Because what Dave does is he takes his ideas and turns them into games wherein we take our ideas and turn them into stories that could be possibly games. Yeah. Or, like that you know because because as role players you and i are role players um we, we both played many role-playing games should i play um, spirit of 77 game right now it's great <laughs> oh, oh well i mean dave could dave could run us on everybody <laughs> <laughs> we I would we, be actually we, i would be happy to do so at, at some point that um, would be fantastic <laughs> just talking a little bit about uh influences when it was first coming together again, like I said, a lot of pieces were kind of being put together about how it would work. There's a, a series called uh, Jeeves and Wooster. Not everybody's heard of it, but it's, it, it stars Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie. Who huh. made, huh. Yeah. And this was well before House and all that. And so before he was big is what you're yeah. Saying. When he was it, British, when people thought he was that would be before people knew he was British. Exactly. So, <laughs> It's based off of a series of books, and basically, Jeeves and Wooster, Jeeves is the butler or the valet for a well-to-do, do-nothing kind of, I don't want to say bubblehead, but he is. He's a himbo, <laughs> a British himbo. And so what happens is that, you know, Hugh Laurie's character has no inkling about uh, and how the world works and gets himself in trouble. And it's constantly the job of his manservant Jeeves to get him out of it. Who's always somewhat almost superhuman in his abilities to get things done. <laughs> so, you know, that had a little bit of, of influence, but also when we, I was originally putting the ideas together, uh, Netflix had just come out with a series of unfortunate events. Oh yeah. And, okay. <laughs> and so I had seen the movie and I had read the book when it first came out or a couple of the books and the overall tone of the series really influenced me about saying that's what I, how I want it to come across. That's the sound of the narration and the text. And there's a great card game also called gloom put out by Keith Baker. who's a really good guy. And uh, uh, gloom, is basically a card game where basically you're trying to kill off the family. And he, you know, it has <laughs> an Edward Gorey look to it and also, you know, in the same vein. We like to refer to a term that came out of uh, this one convention called Dragon Con out in, in Atlanta where they, it was co the term was coined 
as dread punk. And I found that halfway while I was doing, I, I died laughing going, oh my God, this is exactly the sound of what we're trying to do, where it's basically you're talking about things being miserable and kind of a, a, a you know, wink to the, to the audience sort of way. And it, it just kind of all came together all at once and it felt really good. And yeah, people have really, uh, really come out and said that they like the overall tone. And it's actually really nice to have people who send me emails talking about how miserable they are reading the book. Cause that, that's, <laughs> that, that makes me feel nice. You know? I'm cool. glad to make their lives a little darker and more depressing. But you know what? You're doing it all for the right reasons, man. At the end of the day, it's all entertainment. That's what we're doing here. We're entertaining. Whereas like, I feel like comics, they build worlds, but focus on the characters in, in your world, you build worlds and let everybody else kind of take care of the characters. You, you mentioned uh, some of um, uh, your experience in the comics world. One person I really want to always stress, I try to whenever I can, is the interior artist uh, for the Spirit of 77 line is a, a gentleman by the name of Ron Joseph. And Ron has done artwork for IDW. He's done stuff for ROM and he's done stuff. He, he's done a lot of good things and we were really fortunate to hook up with him. And when we had made you know contact with him we said okay well this is what we're trying to do and we we basically sent him a series of different pictures and, and movie posters and what have you and he looked at it and said i know what you're trying to do and he really was able to develop he he not only had a vi was able to share our vision of what we wanted uh spirit of 77 to look like but he was able to articulate it in a visual way that made it just a little bit better. It took it, you know, just one step, you know, beyond what we had even, you know, even conceptually thought of. And, and he is a great artist. Also for, uh, you know, Bedlam Hall, uh, I managed to meet up with a gentleman called Michael Tuck out in uh, Toronto. And Michael had never done any RPGs before either. And he said, well, okay, I, I'm not quite sure what you're, what you're looking for, so tell me. So I started sending him all these pictures from, you know, Edward Gorey and, and Charles Adams and, and all these things. And he was looking at it going, okay, I think I know what you're doing. And some of the artwork he did in, in Bellum Hall is just absolutely amazing to 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 have its own sense but to make a very clear uh progression from charles adams and from edward gore to say oh, i know what this is all about so, well, the bedlam hall sounds kind of like have you ever seen um penny dreadful oh yes absolutely so that kind of reminds me of that which is like like i loved that show so it was like i was really sad when they were like oh this is the last season and it felt rushed i was like oh i'm really sad about that yeah, the, the third season, I always recommend people finish at the end of season two. It's, <laughs> it's like season three is not unlike season five of Babylon 5, where they real, didn't know that they were going to have it, so they're like, okay, we got to put all the stuff in and finish it all up. And Yes, yeah, you definitely can tell it's rushed, because they drop all these Easter eggs, like, in the beginning of season three of, of Penny Dreadful, they're like, oh, and then Hotep, I'm like, oh, they're talking about the mummy. Exactly. Or oh. Oh, He's that would be great. Henry Chuckle and oh my goodness. And, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, all these hints of cool stuff to come. And then, then they're like, oh, and here's the end. And I'm like, what? Now, I know they came out with a comic series which supposedly continued it. I haven't picked it up, but I know oh, really? they wanted to extend the, the overall universe. Look, Dave from Monkey Fun Studios is sharing info with everybody here on this. So check like, it I out. had no idea. I would totally read a Penny Dreadful comic book. It was great. Have you yes. ever seen Bob? I've never seen Penny Dreadful, but I've heard good things because I've heard you talk about it. But it is interesting to hear how all of our worlds kind of cross over because when Kevin and I are creating a book, we have a certain image in our head. And no there are normal times where we send, you know, stills from movies and things like that. This is the vibe we want to get. Reference shots. So it's really interesting because I know people are going to listen to this and go, why are they talking to a guy who writes RPGs? Because it's the same thing. You're still creating these worlds and these references and all kinds of stuff. But you're just, you're, and it's also still storytelling yeah it's but it's just a different end that's all right. you know and well, it's really and it's really fascinating to hear how these things come together it, it's also co-creative storytelling like with comics it's a writer and an artist in a rpg for those of you that aren't familiar um it's a player and a storyteller or a gm or dm depending on what game you're playing so right. it's all storytelling and so a lot of the best storytellers um, in comics 
also play RPGs. Yeah. Because I, I heard that Greg Rucka, who is probably one of my favorite writers, he runs a Star Wars RPG and like uh like Matt uh Fraction and Kelly Sudaconic play in his Star Wars RPG, which that, is that like would be a great game to get into. Oh I my even, gosh. I even heard John Favreau say when Iron Man, the first Iron Man film came out, he said he became a great storyteller and learned how to tell a story by DMing games when he was a kid. So I mean it it all kind of comes together wonderfully. It's awesome. So before we let you go, Dave, I know you probably got lots of things to do. I've seen your Twitter. You're super busy with uh with Bedlam Hall getting ready to come out. Like I know you've got some new stuff coming out for Oh, I didn't mention Gruel Truck. I apologize. Well, you, can, you can get that in real quick because I know you've also got some punk rock stuff coming out for Spirit 77, yes? Yes, I do. So Gruel Truck was one of the uh, stretch goals that we did for Bellum Hall. It was a joke at one point that I had or it had come up from uh, some friends of mine on the Gamers Table podcast that they said, I really want to play a halfling with a food truck. <laughs> it, was, it was a joke that they said, and I was listening to it, and I said, oh, I got to make that. So... <laughs> basically three months later I, I, I emailed uh, Eric Osley the guy who does uh, Gamers Table said I've got a, your Christmas gift coming he goes well what is it And I, it's called Gruel Truck it's a food truck a game where you get to be a food own a food truck in Middle Earth and he said <laughs> he goes, how why why did you do this and I said because you guys kept talking about it and I'm like oh my god and it became one of the, the stretch goals for That's awesome. uh, Bedlam Hall and People literally said, oh, well, we're so close. We have to have it. And so it's a great game that comes with paper hats because I think <laughs> games need more hats. And, and also also want to sell, you know, the, the artist that we had doing a cruel truck was a gentleman by the name of Scott Irwin. Amazing artwork if you, if you get a chance to see it. He, he is just fabu. We've been very blessed by him. And so that's also coming out as well. And since you mentioned it, our next double feature what we do is that we have online or, or uh, downloadable uh, adventures that we put in two adventures in one, which we call double feature, and they usually come with a another benefit. So the next one that we're doing will have what's called the punk background. Nice. And so basically, you know, you'll be able to be like a punk tough guy or a punk sleuth, a punk rocker, That's and awesome. a a punk honeypot. I had run a game just to test it out at uh, the local LA game convention, Strategicon, and I had basically pre-gens where everybody was playing a punk background, <laughs> and awesome. they loved it. it. It really took off, and so that's going to be coming up with the next double feature that we're hoping to have out by the end of the year. That's cool because, I mean, the guy who runs uh, – my buddy Anton who runs our uh, Heavy Gigs in 77 game. Anton, yeah, yeah, I'm a man. He said that uh, you might drop the, uh, the, the, the punk rock game on us and we might be able to play test it. So that would be pretty rad. He's got some stuff for you. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Just you're going to have to apply him and see what he'll give you. So anyway, the point <laughs> being is all that's coming. So you can always find out what we're doing on our website, monkeyfunstudios.com, on our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, Google+. We're just about everywhere and anywhere. Yes, and I will continue to sing the praises of your game and stalk you on Twitter because more people need to find out about this game because it's just fantastic. It's Why don't you cut a Monkey Fun Studios promo as Buddy White right it's now? It's just such a great game. The game is just so enjoyable and so much fun. I can't, I can't talk about it enough. I think it's fantastic. You guys got a hit, and uh, I hope you become rich, rich, rich fellas from this game because it's, it's really great. Uh, you know, yes, my wife would like us to be rich, too. but I would also like to say, and this is absolutely the truth. I am just happy that people like it. And I love hearing what, like what people do, their character. Tell me about your character. I tell, actually like hearing tell about, about your character. Bobby. So, Buddy, Please, do the voice. I will do the voice when, after I explain the character, Buddy okay. White is, he was a professional wrestler who was groomed to be the next world heavyweight champion but he got into a plane accident he was in a oh. plane crash where he was kind of uh he lost the use of his left leg he would have been he would have been killed if it, he would have been killed if it wasn't for his top physical condition and so after his accident he becomes a private investigator who who who, who battles the the criminals on the mean streets of seaside city and i don't know if you ever watched wrestling growing up as a kid of course i did but the gentleman that I, the gentleman that i'm playing in this game talks just like the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, that's 
the road, son of a plumber. I, I'm just a normal working man. I'm married to three. So I just go off on like these two minute rants, just talking like Dusty Rhodes during this podcast. And it's so much fun to do. This world that you've built is just amazing. And I can't, How about you, Kevin? I can't stress it enough. It's great. I, I haven't gotten a chance to play yet, but I told Bobby, like if he played Buddy White, I would play. I would play Nikita Koloff, so then I would be the Russian knight <laughs> to, his, to his American dream. And I'd be like, uh, uh, how you say, uh, how you say, uh, Buddy White? Uh, how you say, superstar in uh, American? How you say? <laughs> that would Bravo. be. I love it. <laughs> you got a great game, man. You got a great game. And thank you so much for making thank this thing. Both. And again, check it out, monkeyfunstudios.com. Do it, do it, do it. It is wonderful. Spirit of 77, Bedlam Hall, so much more. Thank you so much. Where can, where can we find you on Twitter? He already told us all that oh, stuff. He did? Yes, he, we got all, all it out. All it out. <laughs> <laughs> and we're also available on DriveThruRPG and Indie Press Revolution. Check it out. Yeah, buddy. Thank yeah. You. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> thank you, guys. <laughs> That was Dave Cassay from Monkey Fun Studios, and we had a great chat with him, even yeah. even off the air. Yeah, the chat off the air. I wish I was recording because he was giving us some insider. He was giving some inside info to us that that we can't tell you guys. But no, but we'll just say, space. don't say anything. Don't say anything. No, don't say space. anything. I don't want to say anything because what if it doesn't happen? Then we look like liars. Oh, okay. So well, we can't say anything. Yeah, we won't. But man. <laughs> And, and it just makes me want to write an RPG, man. Like, I just, I, I would love to try my hand at it just to just to give it a go. I was telling my wife. Um, what kind of RPG would you write? I don't know. Um, that would be the part of it, I guess. Part of the fun would be trying to it figure out. It would be steampunk, wouldn't it? No. no, I hate steampunk, man. <laughs> I that's why I said just it. not into it. Like, it's just all the fucking knobs and whistles and shit. I hate it. Um, <laughs> I just, I hate it. Like, I think it's cool. I, I like the look. It looks cool, yeah. Like, when so, when I see someone dressed up in steampunk, I go, hey, that's neat. And then when, And I like the idea of it. Like, yeah, it's like... You know, I love the show uh, Wild Wild West, the original right. TV show. That's, that's a great. Yeah. That's very steampunkish, but like, I don't know. <laughs> I just there's just something about it, man. Like I don't. It's the same thing. Like when somebody tells me, "Oh, I've got a comic book idea. What is it?" And they go, "All right, so there's an angel," and I'm like, "All right, I'm out. <laughs> like, I'm out." I'm out. I don't, I don't dig religion. I don't dig organized religion. I've never read the Bible. I don't know shit about the Bible. <laughs> like, I don't know anything about it. So like when people go, all right, it's an angel. And I'm like, nope. I don't give, I just, I don't give a fuck. Shut off. <laughs> like, I just like, word. Because <laughs> I have no frame of reference. Now, if you told me like, yeah, I got a comic book idea. What is it? Elvis Spites. It's Elvis Spites space aliens. I'm like, dude, that's cool. Or and it's like, <laughs> it's the fucking Blues Brothers in space. I go, that's fucking rad. Because like, I, I get that. I, my brain, I can wrap my brain around the Blues Brothers in outer space. When you tell well, me. Why don't we write that comic? The Blues Brothers in space. <laughs> why don't we do the Word Bros comics in space? It'd be like the Blues Brothers in space. I love the Blues Brothers. That was one of their first movies. My dad was like, dude, you got to watch this. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and I was all I love the Blues Brothers. I still I, like it's just one of those things that it's just a it's, it's a, a great movie. It is. It really is. Like it's just everything about that movie is fucking awesome. <laughs> I love the Blues Brothers. So yes, so if you told me it's about Angel Blues Brothers, you might get me. I might Angel be like Blues Brothers, you might be into that. Let's lose the Angel part. <laughs> <laughs> but so anyway, um but yeah, I would love to try writing an RPG. I think it it's just fun, man. Oh, I was telling my wife that what I wanted to do is take the the um Starfinder campaign that I want to write for us and then put it online after we play it and then eventually try to collect it and kickstart it. I mean, it couldn't hurt, but I mean, Stupid the only problem is that been... somebody else owns Starfinder, right? Uh, they have an open game license. I think as long as you're not using like the characters, like okay. the names of the characters in the book where you could do like, hey, it's it's the captain of the fucking ship and you give him the stats. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, that's cool. You make it rather vague as opposed to you say, well, this race and this so-and-so. You say, well, he's the captain of the ship. This guy is a scoundrel. 
or something like that. So it's more kind of vague, you know. Well, so if, like, you're, if you make RPGs like Oathbound, the RPG, like that's fun. Like we can yeah. do it. <laughs> I mean, you know the world. Do it. Uh, no, that would be fun. It would be fun. I would love it. But you I have. You have shit tons of art for it. Hey, man, the way Dave made it sound with him and Bob, they just started writing. Yeah, I mean, we could do something. You just build your world and then you give your archetype. So it's, I don't know, it was re- it was a really interesting conversation and I hope you dig it. Um, where we do episodes every Wednesday, we're trying to get some other guests lined up. Um, but I, I'm, I'm saying we're going out of our league with some of these people we're asking for, but fuck it, why yeah, not? Yeah, we definitely are. So <laughs> at, least, at least we acknowledge that. Yeah, like, like one part about this podcast is we're not afraid to admit that we are humble beginners and yeah. and, and we definitely seek the, the masters of comics to to teach and impart us. We're, some we're going out of our pay grade. On some Tom, Tom King, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. No. But yes, that's the pod this week. We'll be back next week. Uh, I, we, I know we have somebody next week. Uh, I, we talked about a few different people, so we'll. I guess we'll talk about it when yeah. we're done recording. So there you go, everybody. So thank and you for, li- thank you for listening. Leave a review on iTunes if you yeah. love the pod, because a lot of people say they love the pod, but we only have five reviews, and one of them is me. And one of them is me. There you so, go. So that's and, and I even left my name up there. It was yeah. like, hey, this pod is great because I'm on it. Yeah, because I do it. Yeah, because I do this pod. It's great. <laughs> Which is, a, it's just me being silly. Like, yeah, and it was cool, man. So so there you go. Um, we will talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. And, and tweet uh, us at Word Bros. Yeah, tweet us at Word underscore Bros. We're on Facebook. We're online, the Word Bros. You know where we are. Find us, yell at us, tell us we suck, tell us we're great. No, I don't want that. That's too much of that on the internet. Just, I just want to hear nice things. Just nice things? Just nice things. So you guys have a great night, and we'll talk to you soon. You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com.